Oh. I like the enthusiasm. It's good. Good, good. All right. You guys have any favorite sports teams? Tennis. Tennis? Yeah. What else? The Cowboys. I didn't expect to hear that. Okay. What else? Soccer. Anything else? 49ers. Earthquakes. Where? I heard sharks. Sharks. Warriors. Oh, the Warriors. The Warriors are in the playoffs now. The Sharks are in the playoffs now. Swimming. Yeah, swimming. Um, sometimes when you have a favorite team, like, for instance, the Warriors, you have a favorite team, and you get to know all the people on their team, you also sometimes get to know people on the other team, right? And sometimes those people on the other team uh, aren't so good because they're, they're playing against your team. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So there's a guy who plays on the Warriors. His name is Kevin. Do you guys know anybody by the name of Kevin? Yeah, yeah you, know, you know a Kevin? Well, there's a guy on the Warriors. His name is Kevin, and he is like, you know, twice as tall as I am. He's, he's like 12 feet tall, okay? He's, he's a giant. And he used to play on a team called? Nobody knows. The Thunder, yeah, Oklahoma City Thunder, okay? He used to be on the Thunder. So when Kevin Durant, when Kevin played on Oklahoma, he was sort of the enemy. We didn't like him because he was so good, but he played for the other guys. But guess what? Now he plays for the Warriors. So those who didn't like him before, now they think, hey, he's good because why? He's on our team, right? He's on our side. Well, there was somebody in the Bible who was kind of like this. He was a very powerful, powerful man by the name of Saul. And Saul was on the other team. Saul was on the other team, and he did not like Jesus and Jesus' team. He did not like it at all. In fact, he wanted to defeat that team. It's time to get up and dance. Okay. He wanted to defeat the team. But the good news that we have in the Bible is that God says, you know that guy? That guy playing on the other team? I want him on my team. I want him, and even though he's sort of my enemy right now, I can change his team and have him play on our team, and he's going to do great good. So this, this man by the name of Saul, who was an enemy of the church, came to be a person that we know as Paul, who wrote almost half of our New Testament. He talked all about Jesus. He loved Jesus, and he saw the wonderful things that Jesus had done on this earth and how Jesus had totally changed his life. I know some of you are going to be talking about this man known as Saul, or sometimes known as Paul in Sunday school today, uh, God chose this man to be part of his team, and he excelled. He did a great, great job uh, for God's team. So the good news for you today is that God can use you too. 
He wants you to be part of his team. He wants you to shine and be an all-star for him, for God's glory. So let's have a prayer together. Dear God, thank you for creating me and for calling me to be part of your team. Help me to shine my light for you. Amen. Thanks for coming up, you guys. You can... Sunday school time. With, with great smiles. And I invite the congregation left here in the sanctuary to please stand as you are able. We'll continue with the prayer of confession and word of forgiveness. <clears throat> Let's join together in prayer. Lord, we come before you today recognizing our great need of forgiveness. We confess that we have been enticed by false words and have been led by them into selfish materialism and empty humanism. We confess that we have believed the words of those who have told us that we can change ourselves from within. We confess that we have believed the words of those who have promised salvation through other gods. Forgive, we pray, the sins of our fallen condition. And now let us take some moments as we consider ourselves, our place before God. And now hear the good news. Today our God comes to us with his wonderful word. It is a word that proclaims forgiveness for all sinners. This word shouts freedom for captives and new life for those who were dead. This word brings hope for the defenseless and eternal life for those who trust in it. This word comes to life for each of us in the person of Jesus, whose death assures us that we are forgiven and whose resurrection assures us of new life. Praise be to God for his life-giving word. Amen. Please be seated as we continue with our songs of praise. Yeah. 
song is titled Revelation Song, uh, not what you have in your printed bulletin, so you'll have to look up at the wall this morning. Uh, this comes from our second lesson from Revelation chapter 5. Let's sing.
pray. O God, by the humiliation of your Son, you lifted up this fallen world, rescuing us from the hopelessness of death. Grant your faithful people a share in the joys that are eternal. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We continue with the reading of God's Word for today. Our lector this morning is Colin Campbell. Good morning. Our first reading from God's Word is from the book of Acts, chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. The reading begins on page 1149 of the Red Bibles. In this passage, St. Paul, the man who wrote, wrote almost half the books of the New Testament, is met on the road to Damascus by the Lord himself. The encounter proves to be life-changing. Acts 9, verses 1 through 22. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters of the, to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed about him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They had heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, the Lord called him to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have 
heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all those who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the Lord and entered in. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see once again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on this name? And hasn't he come here to take prisoners, take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is Messiah. Here ends the first reading. Our next reading is from the Revelation to St. John, chapter 5, beginning at verse 11. The reading begins on page 1290. In John's heavenly vision, he sees and hears all of the creation giving praise to the Almighty and bowing down to worship before the Lamb who was slain. Revelation 5, 11 through 14. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Here is the second reading. Thank you, Colin. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel as you are able. The Holy Gospel for this Sunday, according to St. John, the 21st chapter, beginning with the first verse. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They all knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Dearly beloved of God, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, I'm sure you have all experienced it before. You go to the dentist, and there you see on the working tray of the dentist a whole series of instruments. As a layman, you are probably like me and wondering what uh, is the purpose of each one of these instruments, why there are so many of them, and which of those instruments is that dentist going to put into my mouth? But to the trained doctor of dental surgery, these are the basic tools of the trade, and they all make perfect sense. They know the difference between a probe, a curette, an excavator, and an elevator. And I'm not sure about you, but I know that I don't want an elevator going into my mouth. And I'm sure you've all seen those construction workers with their tool belts wrapped around their waist. Uh, The tools of their trade are close at hand, and they too know the difference between a Phillips and a regular screwdriver, a sliding bevel and a sliding caliper, vice grips and nail nips. They may be foreign to you, but they are recognizable to the practitioners, essential to their trade. Even so, God has his chosen instruments. To us, some are easily recognizable. For others, sometimes it's difficult for us with untrained eye to have any sense that God would choose them and use them for his purposes. It can seem to us more damage than they would do good. But in the hands of the master craftsman, in the hands of the great practitioner, each one has purpose. Each one is indispensable. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your marvelous creation. We thank you for the different people that you have created with different gifts and abilities. We pray this morning that you would open our eyes once again, that you would help us to see 
to see your plan for us and our lives, to hear your call, and to be confident that you can use us to be on your team, to use us for your purposes, for the upbuilding of your kingdom. And now we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we, we might receive all that you have prepared for us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Syria has been in the news in recent days. Members of the International Chemical Weapons Watchdog, the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, arrived Saturday in Damascus following the Allied military strike taken by the United States, Great Britain, and France, which itself was in response to the alleged use of chemical weapons by President, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad uh, a week ago. Damascus is no stranger to violence. <clears throat> we read about this same city in our scripture for today. As the historian Luke recounts to us events which took place nearly 2,000 years ago. But before we get to Damascus, we need to take a quick stop in Jerusalem to see some goings on in that city. Stephen was a deacon in the young Christian church, a servant, a waiter of tables. You can read about Stephen's defense, his account before the High Jewish Council in Acts chapter 7, when he testifies to the resurrection of Jesus. His testimony resulted in his stoning. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. I bring up his story because his martyrdom includes the introduction of a young man by the name of Saul. And the first thing we are told about Saul is that he gave hearty approval to the stoning of Stephen. Directly following the martyrdom of Stephen, a great persecution arose. This resulted in the apostles leaving Jerusalem and being scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. As God is wont to do in his sovereign ways, God brings good out of bad. God would use the evil persecution for God's good purposes as the scattered apostles would take with them the message of Jesus, the message of salvation. And they would bear this witness wherever the winds of persecution would blow them. Luke also tells us in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, and I quote, Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Now, our scripture this morning starts in Acts 9 by telling us that Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the disciples of Jesus, that he had received official permission from the powers that be to go to Damascus to find and bind followers of the way. But God would not be outdone. Like a great chess master, God has Saul play right into his hands. The road Saul traveled, although it led to Damascus, would not leave, lead Saul to his desired destination. For there on the road to Damascus, Saul would be met by a power greater than he had ever met face to face before. 
and the direction of his life would be forever changed. It's what happens when God decides to select a man or a woman and use that person for his good purposes. We can easily envision Saul on this road to Damascus. With undaunted determination, he sets off on his journey. He does so with strong intent, with wholehearted devotion, convinced that his work was so vitally important to his faith community, convinced that the work he was doing was no less than the work of God. If we look closely, we can see in Saul the same face as he is set and bent on going to Damascus. We can see in him the same face that we saw in another who had his face set toward Jerusalem. But what was in Saul's mind? He was on a mission that could not fail. He was on a mission that would surely bring success. It would not be difficult to find followers of Jesus, followers of the way. The harvest was plentiful. The laborers were few. If only there were others who could work with the same passion as Paul, with the same intensity, with the same determination. If there were only others who would be as decided as he was to quickly stop this wave that had started on the hill of Calvary, that had risen up again in that Greek-speaking deacon named Stephen. Well, what a surprise Saul had when that bright light flashed from heaven and threw him to the ground. And when that voice, that familiar voice, uttered his name repeatedly. Saul, Saul, why? Why do you persecute me? What are you doing? This righteous man was questioned to the core of his being by the supreme questioner. Blinded by this heavenly flash, Saul was taken by the hand and led into Damascus to the home of Judas, who lived on Straight Street. There he fasted for three days and three nights. And you can bet your boots, Saul had never prayed so fervently. Meanwhile, in this the same city of Damascus, there was a man by the name of Ananias. He too had a vision in which he saw the Lord appear to him and tell him to go to the house of Judas, who lived on Straight Street, and there to inquire of a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. Well, Ananias was familiar with this man, and in the vision the Lord tells him that Saul also had had a vision. And in Saul's vision, he had seen a man by the name of Ananias come and lay his hands on him to restore his sight. Well, isn't that an interesting way to learn your own mission? <laughs> it seems as if Ananias had no choice, that this was already a done deal. Saul had already seen him come in his vision and lay his hands on him. All that was left was for Ananias to get up and do it. Well, Ananias wants some confirmation of this vision 
And so he begins to inform God about Saul. Uh, kind of like we sometimes do in our prayers, telling God our sorrows, our woes, how awful our day has been, as if God doesn't already know. Ananias begins to inform God about this man, Saul, and God gives Ananias just one word. He tells him, go. Go, Ananias. This man is a chosen instrument of mine. Ananias was too, make no mistake, by going to the home of Judas on Straight Street, Ananias was risking his life. But Ananias went, and Scripture says he laid his hands on Saul. And how very different that hand-laying was than the kind of hand-laying that Saul wanted to do on the likes of Ananias, to gather them, lay his hands on them, to find and bind them and bring them back to Jerusalem. But Ananias lays his hands on Saul, and as Colin read those words to us this morning, do you recall the first word out of his mouth? The first word that Ananias says to Saul? He calls him brother. Brother Saul. Do you hear the power of that first word that he speaks? As Ananias speaks this word, to the persecutor of the church? Brother. It's a word that expresses forgiveness, welcome, hospitality. It's a word that expresses acceptance, community, and a brand new beginning. One that came as a surprise to everyone. Scripture says that something like scales fell from the eyes of Saul he regained his sight. His cure was immediate. And now Saul's determination continues just as strong as it was before, if not stronger, but in the opposite direction. Saul was baptized then and there and joined the ranks of the way, the group he had set out from Jerusalem to do harm to. He begins to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. He begins to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the promised Messiah. You see, Saul was a man who took Christianity seriously. He saw the power in it, whatever side he was on. Before his eyes were opened, where he could see the origin and the purpose of Christianity, he saw the power, he saw it as a threat, but when his eyes were opened and he saw the salvation that Jesus brought, he saw that Jesus was not someone you could take or leave. With Jesus, it, it was nothing or it was everything. Paul got it. Even when he was Saul, he got it. And when God turned him around, which is exactly what happened, God used him mightily. And God and Saul, even as Saul was first mightily bent on bringing the way to a dead end, so he was intent on blasting through that cul-de-sac and forging new paths 
paving the way for the gospel to spread throughout the Roman Empire. What we might see is something that would disqualify Saul from ever being used for God's purposes. God saw as an advantage. God had his eyes on Saul, and God knew that Saul could see beneath the surface. God knew that Saul had a heart that took things seriously. Saul was indeed a chosen instrument of God, unique, irreplaceable, used by God, the master practitioner, for God's good purposes. Ananias too, a chosen instrument of God, unique, irreplaceable, used by the great practitioner for God's good purposes. So were Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee and the others on the lakeside shore that morning, who ate fish and bread, cooked over hot coals, prepared by Jesus himself. And so are you, unique, irreplaceable, and in the hands of the great practitioner, in the hands of Almighty God, one that God can use as his chosen instrument for God's good purposes. Do you hear his voice as he calls you by name today repeatedly? Do you hear his call, that peculiar, particular, but unmistakable call? You'll know it when you hear it. And all that's left for you is to get up and go and to know that others are waiting and counting on you to do so. Let us pray. O Lord, you have created each one of us here in this room uniquely with special purpose. And it is your desire, O Lord, to use each one of us in this room as your chosen instruments for the purpose you have called us to to do. We pray, O Lord, that you would help us to see clearly what that purpose is, that that we might see the works that you have prepared for us to do, that you would grant us the strength, the power, the determination to step forward and to carry out your work, knowing that in your hands we can do great things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. of your grace, your favorite. 
Join me in confessing our core faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, dead, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 
we continue with our prayers. Let us pray. Dear Lord, how good it is to be here with you and with each other this morning. We thank you for the privilege and blessing of worshiping you here in this place and with you, each other. We thank you for the gift of this day. We ask that you would make your will for ILC known to us. We are thankful to have the privilege of being your hands and feet in this world. Help us to fulfill this mission by giving us compassion for all your people, a heart for service, the courage to act boldly, and the energy to complete the task. Bless our leadership, the officers and council, and our pastor with insight and wisdom. Bless Pastor Derek and his family. Keep them strong and refresh their spirits daily. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray that we will reflect your grace, love, and mercy. Give us hope and renew our sense of wonder at the miracles you bestow each day. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray for special protection for those in the mission field. Provide them with safety and security. Give them special encouragement when they lose heart and comfort when they feel alone and far from home. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Help us to be instruments of your peace in the world. Let us reflect the love and forgiveness that Jesus taught and lived. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Restore each of us, Lord, that we might live lives of wholeness, experiencing the full richness of the lives you created for us. Renew our spirits, heal our wounds, and straighten our thoughts. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray for special blessings on those in our midst that are laboring under heavy burdens and deep hurt, especially those that Pastor now names. We lift before you Robert Heiler, Kristen Lisch, Anne Tumala. We celebrate with Gregory Canham, Paul Spitzen, Maria Malari, as they celebrate their birthdays on this day. Open their eyes to the treasure that they are, the gift that they are to their family and friends. We pray that you would bless Jason and Elizabeth Pintar as they celebrate 15 years of marriage together. And for Martine and Elisa Duran, married yesterday. We lift before you the families of Juanita Peters, Joy Wong-Bickler, Thomason, and Aline Rodenberg as they grieve the loss of their loved ones. Lord, in your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for being here today. We ask that we will be mindful of your presence in our lives through the course of the coming week. Help us to celebrate your many blessings each and every moment. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate. The congregation may be seated. We continue with our offering. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all God. For I 
join me in prayer. Most gracious God, teach us to be generous with the abundant gifts you've entrusted to our care, that we might be rich in serving you. Accept these offerings as our response to your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Now here in this place, we remember that in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. We join together in singing our Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. beloved of God, this is the Lord's table. Jesus is the host of this meal, and all are welcome to join in this holy communion. As you come forward to receive this bread and this wine, uh, may you know the forgiveness and salvation that are yours in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Shackles and chains, I came to your door and fell on the floor of mercy. Guilty I stood, guilty I was, I could I'm ashamed just as I am, just as I am. Jesus, you are 
taste of the feast to come. Thank you to the worship team. Now the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bless you and keep you in his grace now and forever. Amen. I invite you to stand for the close of the service. Thank you all for coming out to worship today on this glorious day of God's creation. And now receive the blessing for the journey. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. Let's join together in our sending song. Left side, Mikey, this side, us, okay? I will worship. I will worship.
Thank you. 